Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Ath Geeks Podcast. Thank you for taking out the time to make this a part of your weekly routine. I'm your host, Adrian, and I I didn't want to come out here today. And oh my goodness, right when I start recording, I'm sure y'all can hear that in the background. The little dog wanted to come in the room with me and he brought his toy so you can hear it. Uh, just try your best to ignore that because I'm doing this I'm doing this podcast last minute. This was not planned. This was not planned at all. We weren't going to come out and do an episode. Um, the draft lottery was last night, so be prepared for our draft episode coming here sometime later this week. We're going to do a mock draft. We're going to do a whole mock draft series. We're going to do a lottery, and then we're going to do the rest of the first round. And then, depending on how we feel, we might even dabble into the second round of picks and everything like that. But like I said, for now, just ignore the dog. But like I said, I didn't even want to come out here today. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to come out here today. I didn't want to come talk today. And it's sad that I have to. And don't get me wrong. I'm all here for the jokes. As y'all seen from the other podcast, y'all seen from everything like that. You know, I'm here. I'm here to get these jokes off. I'm 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 very I'm really here to get these jokes off. If you see me on my Twitter, you see me anywhere like that, those jokes will get off. I'm I'm known to frequently change my name depending on a, a game by game basis. My name changes, my Twitter name changes a lot. Well, my ad name stays the same, but my um my name where you're reading it, uh that's that's gonna change a lot depending on it. Right now, after watching this Bucks Hawks game, it is John Collins Stan account. If y'all know me from the beginning, y'all know. Like I, I have like a, I have weird players. I just like have been a fan with from the beginning. Like John Collins, love John Collins. Gonna be a ride or die John Collins fan. Um, how I am with Jalen Green right now. Ride or die with Jalen Green. Love De'Aaron Fox. There's just certain players out of draft. Just like random players that's just like I'm just gonna be a ride or die for regardless. But that's not what we're here talking about. Like I said, these jokes are going to get off, but I was on Twitter. I mean, like, there, there's a difference between jokes and people seriously having bad takes. Like, so I was just on Twitter. I, I was on Twitter um, yesterday, and I saw a poll that asked, if you would take Ben Simmons on your team right now, and 70% of the people said no. Now, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's funny to make fun of Ben Simmons right now. It's good to make fun of Simmons because he's the hot topic in anything. And everybody's going to be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. But this thing had thousands and thousands of votes. And um, some, some, I mean, some thousand votes. Like, some were obviously jokes. You could see, you could differentiate those jokes. But there was a lot of people under that. There was a ton of people that honestly don't think Ben Simmons is good at basketball. They honestly don't think Ben Simmons is good for the game of basketball just because he isn't a scorer. And obviously offense sells. And it's an offensive league. It's a 100% offensive league. And an offensive player that can't defend like a majority of like, you know, top tier scores and stuff, like they'd they be there to get buckets. They're not really there to play defense or anything. And they can't. I mean, if they if they're a top scorer, nobody cares if you play defense. Like, defense is a lost art and a forgotten art in the NBA today, mainly because 
good great offense usually beats great defense. Like if you're an elite offensive player, you're not gonna always hit these all these crazy shots, but you know those tough shots they usually are well defended, and it's just you just hit a better shot. So elite offense nine times out of ten, well seven times out of ten, six times out of ten, six seven times out of ten, yeah, elite offense beats elite defense. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Hell, like, um, I'm sure y'all saw, like, Stephen A. Smith compared Devin Booker to Kobe Bryant. And it's like a majority simply ignore the other side of the ball. Because I get the Devin Booker comparison. People always try to compare Devin Booker to Kobe because he's young. He's a lead scorer, X, Y, Z. But Kobe Bryant was, a, I believe, a 12-time all um, NBA NBA all defense and that's the most all time. I think it was what nine or ten, nine or ten, something like that. First team, but he was twelve time all defense. Let's not forget that. Like Devin Booker is an amazing talent, amazing three level score. I love watching his game, absolutely love it. But I want a player to be able to be. Let's just let Devin Booker be the greatest Devin Booker he can be. He doesn't have to be the next Kobe. He doesn't have to be Kobe. And everybody's always trying to compare him to Kobe. And I don't understand why he can't just be Devin Booker. But like I said, people ignore the other side of the ball. Same with like Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is an elite paint defender. And don't give me wrong, again, those jokes get off. I, I was one of the main people with the jokes for the Utah fans and for the Gobert and everything like that. But at the end of the day, it's just jokes. Like, we're not – at least I'm not serious. It's a, it's a joke. We just, you know, clown him in the moment. But Rudy Gobert is obviously an elite paint protector. He's an elite paint defender and an elite defender outside of, like, defending bigs. He still has slow feet and can't guard the perimeter. However, when it comes to around the basket, he's still an elite defender. Um, even, like, the great other great defenders like Dikembe Mutombo, Ben Wallace, Bill Russell – got posterized or allowed points in the paint. Um, there's a lot of people that say because, you know, like I said, the jokes can get off, but there's a there's a certain cutoff point. Like there's people that honestly believe that these people aren't good because they still allow points. And it's like, yes, a points are still going to be allowed. He's going to deter a lot of points, going to deter a lot of people from going to the basket, and he's going to contest a lot of shots. However, there's going to be – for every seven that he blocks or contests and deters, there's going to be like two or three that come through, that come through and they actually just hit a tough shot and everything like that's in the paint. That's in the paint. Um, if it was on the perimeter, then I'm like, yeah, tough shots usually go in more on the perimeter. That's why I said that example earlier. But in the paint, a defender like him, he's contesting shots and making people miss. And it's just, that's just how it is. People get posterized, people get scored on. But, um, I don't I don't understand that part. Like he obviously deters more baskets than he lets up. However, in the case, in like in Gobert's case, due to his inability to guard the perimeter in a perimeter oriented league, he he looks worse than he actually is, just because and it's not just him, that jazz team makes him look worse than he actually is. Because that jazz team doesn't have a, a bunch of elite defenders. Donovan Mitchell is a really good scorer. He is not a great defender. And because of that, along with um, Ingles and 
Clarkson and everybody else on the team outside of Mike Conley, uh, outside of the starters, I mean, let me say that, outside of starters, outside of Mike Conley, the rest of them aren't really good defenders. So when it's one-on-one and you take Gobert, you go small, you force Gobert to go out to the corner, then Gobert can't be in two places at once. So that takes away his elite rim protection. So he runs out there to go try to – people say he's chasing block, but it's his job to contest the paint, contest shots. Um, he – a lot of people ignore the fact that it's proper rotations. If he's rotating from the corner to help, which is the easiest rotation, you wouldn't want somebody at the on the wing to rotate because they're running a five-out scheme. You'd want him on the corner to rotate. The wing drop down to the corner, the top drop down to the wing, and so on and so forth. You rotate. It's proper rotations. However, the Jazz don't have good enough defenders to where they do things like that. They they just they weren't making rotations, so all of it falls back on Gobert. So if Gobert doesn't get that contest, or if they still have the shot over him when he gets there to the late contest, then it looks bad on Gobert because he allowed a bucket. If they dot him in the corner and they just shoot the shot and he tries to chase out there and jump at him because the wing didn't rotate down, then it looks bad on Gobert because he let up a wide open three. So in that case with that five-out offense, Rudy Gobert couldn't win because if Rudy Gobert was on a more defensively competent team, which falls on coaching more than Gobert, falls on coaching, if they were more on a defensive, competent team, then he would be all right in that situation. And But the caveat to that is um, on the other side of the ball, though, you can't be dominant on one end of the ball and not, and not continuously be dominant on that end. So let's say... Like, like right there in that example, Rudy, they're going small ball and they have Morris or they have Nicholas Batum guarding Rudy Gobert. So on the other end of the floor, Rudy Gobert should punish them because they're going small ball. Look at DeAndre Ayton, for example, in that the first game for the Suns, actually the first two games with the Suns versus the Clippers, look at this next series, look at the first two games there. They tried that small ball lineup against Aiton. You got to remember, Zubak, if I remember correctly, didn't play the last four games when the Clippers won those four games. Zubak didn't touch the floor. Zubak is in the game now against the Suns because they tried that small ball lineup against Aiton. However, they're one, the Suns are rotating properly, and Aiton is making them pay on the other side of the ball. Not only Aiton, but Devin Booker as well. So they're running that pick and roll, and they're punishing having Morris or Nicholas Batum at the center so that they can't run that lineup. So you notice Zubak is starting to get in the game again. So it's not a coincidence that Zubak is starting to get minutes again because they need that paint protection because on the other end of the floor, the Suns can make them pay. DeAndre Ayton can make the um, Clippers pay for running that small ball lineup, which is what Rudy Gobert should be able to do. Rudy Gobert is 7-1 in... He's long arms and everything like that. I'm not saying you have to have great post moves and great post work and things like that. 
but to at least be able to catch the ball and go up to a post hook, which is going to be a light contest at best because they're not going to really be able to do anything on you because Nicholas Platoon isn't going to be able to stop you. He's, what, 6'7", Morris is 6'8". They're not going to really be able to contest you at your peak if you go for a hook or a simple drop step. Or something like that. I'm not saying you need to put the ball on the ground, do a post spin, face up, jab up, or anything like that. I'm not asking that much of you because I know that's not your game. It's never been a part of your game. However, you should be able to at least be able to do more than just catch lob and be a lob threat around the basket and put back dunks. That, especially getting paid 200 mil, I need more from you on that end. I know you're getting paid for your defensive side. However, on the offensive side, I need at least a post hook. So my word to advice that Rudy Gobert is at least try to develop that. Just, you know, nothing crazy. A five to eight foot, you know, little, just little hook from right there. A little drop step off the block. Something simple like that to where he can abuse those smaller matchups so that teams can't go on a small ball. They can't go small ball because they're getting punished just as much on the other side so they're like it's not even worth it when it comes down to it so we might as well go back big which puts Rudy Gobert back in the paint and lets him do what he's good at so but that's enough about um Rudy Gobert so let's go to Ben Simmons let's go to Ben Simmons um I really don't want to do this Ben Simmons I really don't I'm here to defend you and I know I'm still going to get clowned for defending you because I've been getting clowned for defending you because I was one of the main people clowning you. However, once, like I said, once it goes too far, then I'm like, hold up, like it's jokes and everything. But Ben Simmons is still an elite talent. So I say that and people tell me I'm wrong and everything else. And I'm like, no, he's still an elite talent. Just because he's not scoring doesn't mean he's not an elite talent. There's more like, oh, well, he doesn't even want to shoot. He's scared, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I understand you're just going to say what you want because it's the heat of the moment and that's recency bias and everything, but he's still, you know, I was going to talk about this later, but um, talking about that recency bias, let's talk about, let's talk about the defense Ben Simmons was playing. No one's talking about that. No one's talking about that. The defense Ben Simmons played on Trey Young that in game seven, forcing him to struggle out there. And he did his job out there because he is a first-team all-defensive player. He is a defensive player of the year candidate, and he did what he's supposed to do on the perimeter. However, again, like I said, those tough shots that go in, they just go in. Like that logo three that um, Trey Young hit, off the pick, off the um, high screen and everything, and Ben Simmons was up there and he got a slight contest. He hit a tough shot. He hit a tough shot from the logo, and people will remember that shot, but not remember that Trey Young bricked all those other shots before. Trey Young shot really poorly, and a lot of that goes to Ben Simmons and Matisse Steibel playing elite defense. So, but however, if you're not bringing none on the offensive end, then people don't really. People don't really worry about that. They don't really care. Because Trey Young still had – he still had points because he got to the free throw line and everything. However, when Simmons was guarding him, Simmons did what he was supposed to do. Um, but I I don't know. I, I just – no one's going to fo- focus on that defense just because he struggled. Um, that's just where we are right now in society. They're going to 
they, they're going to focus on the negative, like him passing up a dunk. That was a one – it happened one time, and that's what everybody's running with, that that's what he always do. People are acting like that's a usual occurrence, and that's just what's always going to happen because he passed up that dunk, but that was a one-time thing. That was inexcusable, but it was one moment altogether. And I've been saying for a long time that Ben Simmons hasn't been used utilized correctly. Um, if you go back to draft night, go back to draft night, and you go back and look at my old tweets on draft night and before draft night, I said I wanted the Warriors to trade the number two pick, package that, and Andrew Wiggins, and whatever else kind of pick they need, whether they need to throw in another second, a future first, or whatever, they, they need to throw in the Timberwolves pick, then that's fine. I'm, some people might say that's overkill, but that's fine with me. And then you move Draymond somewhere else. You and get for get what you can for Draymond. Move Draymond and use those that assets right there and get Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons on a team like the Warriors and playing that Draymond Green role in where he just get the ball, come up the court. He doesn't have to be the number one scoring option or even the number two or number three. He's there to be an elite defender and an elite facilitator, and he's the deadliest in transition and running an offense. And a team like the Warriors, he can also still operate on around the elbow and around the block because there's so much spacing around the court that he will be okay. Unlike on the 76ers when they have him on the elbow and Embiid on the block or vice versa with Embiid on the elbow and Ben Simmons on the block and you just see Ben Simmons walking around, standing around, walking around like free areas in the in the paint and on the low block and everything, short corner. That's not where I want to see Ben Simmons just walking around, hanging out there. I want to see the ball moving, everything like that, and just keep going. And with Ben Simmons on a team like the Warriors, I feel like it'd work out perfectly. I've said for a long time, you put Ben Simmons on a team like the Bucks, he's not going to dominate like Giannis does. However, the that team will still be extremely successful because Ben Simmons can still drive to the paint. When Because when Ben Simmons wants to be aggressive, that's another thing. When Ben Simmons wants to be aggressive, he is an elite like rim runner and scorer around the basket. However, I do believe he was playing passive because he was trying to avoid being fouled because he was shooting so poorly from the free throw line. Um, he's going to have to fix that. But when he goes down to the basket and everything, he can draw a lot. Can, you know, remember he dropped, what was it, 42 on the Jazz? It was like 42 or 44, some 40-plus on the Jazz. So he, he is capable of scoring and getting to the basket. The difference between Ben Simmons and Giannis, however, is when Ben Simmons has all those shooters around him, Ben Simmons is more likely to hit them in the correct spot and hit them early so that they can just catch and shoot. And it's hard. To, it's going to be hard to double him. And he, I still think he could be averaging about 16, 17 points a game, maybe up to the upper ends of 18 points a game. But then his assists going up to 9, 10 a game because he's in that role. That's the kind of role I want to see Ben Simmons in, and I'm a still a big Ben Simmons fan, but I don't think his time in Philly is needs to continue. I feel like he needs to move to another team 
where he doesn't have to worry about scoring and all he has to worry about is defense and facilitating. And I know a lot of people are going to say because of that max contract he has that that is not enough for a player to be doing that. However, my um, counter that is he's so elite on the perimeter with defending in his all-around game outside of scoring is so elite to where you can make the um, you can make a point in to give him a contract such as that, and you can understand like okay, I can understand why he get that kind of contract. He's an elite defender. He's X, Y, and Z. The only thing he has to do is score. And you just got to – like a team just takes a chance on it and just hopes that eventually he – because it's a mental thing. I believe it's a mental thing with Ben Simmons. And eventually that mental thing passes and he is able to counter everything like that. Um, I do want to see Ben Simmons go to another team and I will be rooting for him because I want to see him have a revival – type season and everything else like that, similar to how I'm hoping Kimba actually stays on OKC rather than get traded somewhere else so he can actually worry about getting healthy and he can have a bounce back season himself as well. But I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not sure. Um but like I said like I keep saying like like I said I'm here for the jokes but when people go out go past and start believing the jokes it's a GG for me. Um, before I was going to take a short break, but before I take this break, let me revisit the topic of sports media. Uh, actually not just sports media, but people in general feeling like they can, they can't admit when they're wrong about a take and retract it. So you see that happen all the time on NBA Twitter. You see that happen on all types of social media, but you especially see it with like these big name, big stage, like television shows and everything else when they go and they talk shows and everything like that. Um, I see way too often people make bad takes that blow up. And instead of admitting that they're wrong, they just double down. And I just don't understand. They double down. They continue to stick with that take for the rest of their lives. And I've heard two reasons. I've heard two reasons why they do that. Cause I've, I've been looking like I want to know why, like why they do, why don't they, I can't, they just say a lot of people say it's um, one is it questions their credibility. Like these big talk show hosts and these big NBA analysts and everything like that, it says it questions their credibility because if they make a wrong take, it's like, okay, they're wrong, blah, blah. You say you're wrong on national television. People are like, oh, he's wrong very often. So the people start questioning your credibility. And that just doesn't look good for when you're trying to keep getting jobs and keep getting interviews and keep, continuing on with your career because people start giving you this like they they start giving you this tag of he's not a credible source however so so instead of just saying oh yeah i was wrong they'll continue to push what makes them seem like they're correct so anytime somebody has a bad game or anything like that they're automatically be like if they say x player is this and he's overrated he's not as good as people say even if x player is balling out and does all these amazing things the second x player has a bad game or doesn't deliver they're gonna push that narrative and say yeah see i told you they're not as good as everybody says that's not good this they're frauds and stuff like that x y and z it's like okay whatever that's y'all that's what y'all need to do to maintain your credibility to me that makes you seem even more I mean, even less credible because you won't admit you're wrong. You will stick with a wrong take rather than saying I was wrong and this is where we're going to go now. 
but I'm not sure. Uh, that's them. Two is that hate sales. Think of people like Skip Bayless and everything like that who've made a career off hating a player, like how they how he hates LeBron, and now he's starting to push the Luka narrative because LeBron is starting to like edge out of the NBA. You're starting to see him start to hate more and more on Luka because Luka's going to be dominating the league for a while. And so it's going to be the Luka narrative from now on that he hates Luka and everything else. And that's just going to keep people paying attention. You look at a lot of those shows, they recycle topics, which is the reason I stopped watching a lot of them because they, they hate on a lot of players for no reason, as well as they recycle a lot of topics. So and you might watch, they might be a Monday through Friday show. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they talk about the Lakers. They talk about the Cowboys. And they talk about those teams for at least 25 to 30 minutes of the segment. And you're like, okay, these teams aren't even playing right now. These teams aren't even relevant. These teams aren't even X, Y, and Z, yet you're talking about them. You might get one day out of the week where you don't really talk about them. You actually get another topic. But for the majority, you're going to talk about those same same people. You're going to keep talking about them year-round, which to me, I don't understand. I feel like you get exhausted talking about them year-round, but they don't. But um, And you see, like, like I, it's not like they don't know sports because they do know sports. That's how they got to that position. You look at people like Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless and how they used to write and everything like that. You know that they know sports. They cover sports. And they know how these sports should be played and how these players are and how good these players really are. But instead of doing that, instead of going with what they really believe and what they really know, they'd rather go for personality ratings and hate or make bad takes instead of making like legit good takes because they know that that's going to sell. That's going to make people click on it saying more people are going to click on if you on something that says LeBron is washed. You make a video or something on YouTube like LeBron is washed for X, Y and Z. The Lakers time is done rather than you post a video about the Utah Jazz thriving and being the number one seed. More people are going to click on that Lakers video than the Jazz video. More people are going to click on that negative video talking about he's washed with LeBron more than, like, Utah's thriving. Like, obviously, people are still going to click, but the the quality content isn't going to sell because people will rather watch the hate and everything like that. But, um... I don't know. That's that's just my opinion. Uh, With that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. And we are back. Um, Firstly, 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 I would like to personally apologize to the Atlanta Hawks for not believing in you due to your youth and inexperience. I was wrong. I always believed that they were a talented team. Like I said, I'm a John Collins fan. I believe they were a talented team. I just didn't personally believe that they would make it this far. I thought the injuries with... The injuries they um, suffered with Hunter, Reddish not being there and everything like that. Uh, I thought that that would struggle too much. I didn't think Trey Young and 
John Collins would deliver in their first playoff series. I thought that they'd play well, but I thought that they'd be able to be exploited and they'd have more bad and inconsistent games than consistent games. Um, and I was wrong. I was wrong. I was, straight, I was flat out wrong. I, I bet on the side of experience. And if there's anything these playoffs is telling me is experience is overrated. Some people, for some people, experience matters. But I'm starting to see a lot of these teams look at Devin Booker ball out right now. Experience, he don't have no experience in the playoffs, but he's playing like an experienced vet. Man, only been in the league six years, and he's playing six, seven years, something like that. He's playing like a vet. He's lagging like this playoffs is like he's used to it. Same with Trey Young. Trey Young was out there shimmy on the Clippers tonight. I said Clippers. What am I talking on the buck? I, st- I still got the Clippers on my mind. Um, Trey Young was out there shimmying on the bucks tonight. He hit um, Drew Holiday with a mean cross, and then nobody came to pick up and help out. He hit the three, shimmying on them. He's throwing lobs off the backboard to John Collins. We out here playing like we NBA Jam. They out here having a good time. And you can tell. They, like they're he, they're having a good time right now. They're they look like they're having so much fun out there right now, and this is beautiful basketball, and I'm loving watching it. And I know a lot of people are saying be small, be smaller teams, and everything without these big markets being in the playoffs and being left, like it's not good for basketball. But man, I am loving it. I am loving it right now. I'm absolutely loving it, and um. After after watching that series, after watching that last series with the um, with Philly, I'm, I'm hey, I'm a fan. Uh, like I said, y'all, I keep saying I'm the, I'm probably the biggest John Collins fan there is out there, as y'all know about me. But I really only watch the games for him, and now I'm watching them because they are exciting to watch. I am rooting for them. I want a Trey Young, Devin Booker. NBA Finals, that is my dream right now. That is what I am praying and hoping for, and I am manifesting it. I'm speaking into existence, manifesting a Trey Young Booker Finals, and I hope that y'all want to see the same thing, and if you don't, then I'm sorry because I'm keeping my hopes up that this actually happens. Also, I want to apologize to Giannis and the Bucks. I mean... Drew Holiday was the only one I was rooting for. I really don't care for the Bucks outside of the Drew Holiday. I like Drew Holiday. Um, that man's bag is ridiculous. I know a lot of people aren't seeing it right now, and a lot of people aren't don't realize how deep Drew Holiday's bag is. Because Drew Holiday has a bag. That man can score the ball, but he's also an elite defender. He's had his struggles here and there, but he's also had some elite games. He played really well tonight. He was the only person on the Bucks to hit over one three. I'm still confused over to why he didn't get the game tying three at the end of um, regulation, and why it was instead given to Chris Middleton, who was zero for eight at the time from the three, and finished the game zero for nine because he missed the three. I would have personally gave it to Drew Holiday, but that's neither here or there. Like I said, Drew Holiday was the only one I was rooting for. Um, Giannis has shown me that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he's a primary dunker and a DPOY that won't guard KD, but he's still leading his own right. Um, I was one of the big like skill people and like the like the people that say skill matters, but then people started comparing it. It, I, it clicked to me when um, 
I was having a conversation with somebody and he was telling me, he was like, I mean, why did, why are you worried about how he scores? He's still putting up 30 and 12, 30 and 15. He said, think about, he's a, like, think about like how Shaq said he's the most dominant person since Shaq. And I'm like, Oh, you say Shaq, this and that, blah, blah. But I'm like, if Shaq was in the league today, Shaq wouldn't be doing finesse post fadeaways, putting the ball in court, tween, tween, doing all these other things, making it look cute. Shaq would be physically dominating you. He'd catch it and he'd use his God-given like physical tools to simply overpower and dominate you, and which is Giannis is doing. And not, I'm starting to become. I'm starting to go more into this side. Like, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, Giannis is dominant. He is dominant. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, you just got to put a wall in front of him, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, all these teams have been trying this wall strategy, and this man is still putting up like 30 and 12. So they still putting the wall up in front of him, but he's starting to be smarter with the wall. He does still get um, a full head of steam and still draws charges or puts up bad shots here and there. But you're starting to see he's starting to be smarter with his game. He's starting to pick his spots more, and he's starting to utilize his teammates more. I think in the first half today, he had seven assists. He's starting to utilize his teammates and pass out instead of just trying to rim run with his head down and everything. He's starting to be smarter with his drives, which I'm loving seeing the growth from Giannis, and I want to I wanna give him his respect. Also, um, I still don't the DPOY part. I still don't really want to give him his respect for because he's supposed to guard Kevin Durant in that situation. He said he wanted to take on the challenge, and then in the final game, still didn't take on the challenge. He still bought out his own right, dropping forty, but he did not take on the defensive challenge of guarding Kevin Durant, which he said he was going to do. So, a defensive player of the year that won't guard the other team's best player. Um, I know he's supposed to be he's he's a big. I gotta keep reminding myself that Giannis is a big, but he's also a freak of nature and he is athletic enough and quick enough to guard on the perimeter. However, that is not where his bread and butter is. It is more of he is a big playing power forward. So he's more of a center and he's just going to be dominating there and blocking shots and contesting shots. And I gotta remember that. However, I do still believe he should guard Kevin Durant in that situation, which he didn't. Um, I know I'm rooting for ATL, and ATL just took home court advantage. But if I'm taking bias out of it, I honestly can see a Bucks-Suns finals with the Bucks coming out on top. Um, I hate that because I want CP3 to get a ring. And Giannis still has time where CP doesn't really have time anymore. CP is like 36, 37. And I also want D-Book to be on display. And I demand, I demand, I demand an apology from all the haters that said he was just somebody who put up empty numbers on a bad team, that he wasn't good, that he wasn't doing X, Y, and Z. And he had other team. he had some good teams around him, he decent like he had some decent players around him who went on to other teams or when X, Y, and Z, they played better, blah, blah. He had some decent players and he still couldn't do it. I don't care what y'all are talking about. Devin Booker is him. He is a elite, elite three level, three levels scorer. He can score on all three levels. He is a, an elite mid-range shooter. He is a great three-point shooter. He is a great finisher around the basket. Not to, 
not one, but a three-level scorer. He's a talent that we cannot take for granted. I don't see their opponent in the Clippers getting past them unless Kawhi comes back in game three through seven and then just has to go nuclear. Because even if Kawhi comes back game three and he goes nuclear, guess what? That little light-skinned man can go nuclear too. And CP supposed to be back game three. And so the offense is going to flow even better. So I can't, man, I can't see the Clippers actually coming out on top. But any crazier things have happened. I just can't see it happen. They can't exploit the Suns like they did the Jazz due to, you know, Aiden being a much more mobile and much better offensive player than Gobert. Like like I said earlier, it's hard to go small when the opposing big can score on the block and can score easily when you go small. Their drop coverage doesn't work on Booker since they are giving him the mid-range and he's loving that shot. You saw tonight the Bucks use that drop coverage strategy and Trey Young was just picking them apart, floater at the floater, mid-range at the mid-range, and not even just Booker, but CP's going to score this drop coverage as well. And it's just, this playoff is interesting. This playoff is interesting. And, like, you know, just like I was saying earlier, I think this is good for basketball. Like, None of these teams have won a championship since the merger. Like, that's super crazy. Like, young talent is blooming. Basketball can't get much better than this. Who cares that the big names aren't there when the new names are making a name for themselves? Like, these young bucks are making a name for themselves, and they are showcasing their talents, and I am loving it. The draft lottery, that was yesterday. That was amazing. Like I said, we're going to do an episode on that, so be on the lookout for that episode. Either... um, Two days from now, it's either going to be tomorrow or two days from now. It's going to be sometime this week, so be on the lookout for that. But anyways, it's been another episode of Ath Geeks Podcast. Always, always, always remember to respect women. But most importantly, remember to respect yourself. And we are.